0: Welcome to another episode of Alive from the Asher Longevity Institute. Host today, John Asher welcomes back Dr. Mike Smith, Director of Education and spokesperson for Life Extension and the author of The Supplement Pyramid, How to Build Your Personalized Nutritional Regimen. John, I'll turn it over to you.
1: Well, welcome, Dr. Michael Smith, Director of Education at the Life Extension um, Institute. And I know you go by Dr. Mike, so is it okay to just call you Dr. Mike?
2: That's fine by me. Thank you for having me, John.
1: No, it's great to have you because, you know, our two companies, Life Extension and National Longevity Institute, have had a strategic partnership now for probably up to five years, especially yeah. in both involved in RADFest and all these anti-aging Age management, longevity um, protocols, therapies, and technologies. What life extension has done over, gosh, it's been probably forty years, has just been absolutely um, amazing.
2: It's phenomenal how much research and content and strategies we've put out there, uh, John. Way, way ahead of the ball game, and you know what I mean by that. Like we we were talking about stuff years ago that people are just now talking about today.
1: <laughs> oh, I I totally agree. And when you look at uh, things like uh, a lot of vitamin D, a lot of vitamin K, uh, melatonin, et cetera, I've been using all that stuff for many years. And now it's really
2: just yeah. coming to the forefront for a lot of people. Yeah. I, well, I could 10, what, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, John, probably longer I, I can't remember. I was a, came out of medical school. So I have a medical doctorate, a, the conventional kind. And at some point I was telling some of my MD buddies, that I was taking 5,000 units of vitamin D. So, the, yeah, this is about 20 years ago. Right. Oh my gosh, you would have thought I told them I was drinking arsenic. Exactly. I mean, they were just like, what are you doing? And you know what today? Most of them are taking 5,000 units of vitamin D every day. Exactly. Actually, I'm taking 8,000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. I mean, that's wonderful, you know. But I just think it's so funny how little by little they were like, oh, you know. Yeah, there is some good research on this.
1: (laughs) Maybe I should be taking some. Absolutely, terrific. I mean, when you think that, I think it's 93% of American adults have a vitamin D insufficiency. It's just an amazing number.
2: it's, It's funny, we're talking about vitamin D and it's great that we are. I became interested in it, again, again, this is like 15, 20 years ago, something like that, with some studies showing that patients in hospitals in icu beds if they were given vitamin d or they or they had vitamin d blood levels to a certain you know number that they would spend less time being sick less time in the hospital they would go home in a better condition earlier and that's what caught my attention i'm like why aren't we talking about this more and that was you know a long time ago so i'm glad to see that more people know about it, and they know their blood levels, and yes, good, 5,000, 8,000, 10,000, whatever your blood levels say you need, take it. Totally agree. I'll give you one quick
1: example. I have a good friend in Sacramento, and he's a uh, coach for CEOs, and he got COVID, went in the hospital, um, was there for two months, had four near-death experiences. When he could, He was totally unconscious, but he could hear the doctors uh, talking about, we've got to pull the plug. There were four different code blues. And in retrospect, Gosh. when they measured his vitamin D level when he entered the hospital, it was three. Three? three. <laughs> like, in other words, not a That's not pretty a bad. Gun, yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
2: that's pretty bad. So
1: very strong right, correlation right. to what happened to him and no vitamin D in his blood,
2: right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, vitamin D, it's kind of like the... The master, the the orchestrator of the immune response, and when your levels are low and you have these infections, especially these respiratory infections, that elicit a high inflammatory response, you get these cytokine storms and stuff where people can't handle. It's it's basically they can't handle the immune response because vitamin D is not controlling it, and that's um, you see it usually in more younger people, but we saw it with older people with COVID for sure. Oh yeah.
1: Well, today we really want to talk about three things and their effects on longevity. One is exercise, and you know what's the, so. What's the gold standard for it? Um, fasting and calorie restriction, and all of those are kind of connected, as I'm sure you know. So let me just throw out what I know, and then I'd like to hear your opinion, your your spin on it. So. So when you look at the gold standard for, for exercise, there's, of course, cardio and strength training. And uh-huh. cardio, the latest studies I've seen, and, and some of this is from Life Extension, is that you really should get 150 minutes per week of walking, say, walking briskly, or 75 minutes of fairly um, good um, cardio, like cycling, swimming, running, jogging, that sort of thing, or um, what's called interval training, which I'm sure you're familiar with, right. where you go all out for a minute, rest for a minute, etc. So does that sound right to you for cardio, one of those three activities?
2: Yeah. Just to back up for a sec, um, you, you, I think your time and your numbers were correct. Although we don't tell people initially, especially people that have been couch potatoes for so long, we we don't say you need to walk 150 minutes or whatever. We 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 build them up to those kind of numbers sure. and stuff like that. Sure. Um, um, but you know, I you know, for me, you know, what the gold standard is, move. Yeah, exactly. Get up, <clears throat> be active. I mean, you know, we and in that's great. We can talk about these numbers and we can talk about the different types of um, exercise and what I like to do and et cetera, et cetera. But you, there have been several studies, a couple just recent recently that showed. Just walking 30 minutes a day has huge longevity benefits, huge cardiovascular benefit, metabolic benefit. I mean, you could go on and on just walking. I tell people, you just get a dog, get a dog and walk your dog every day, (laughs) you know, do something (laughs) like that. But I think you're right. Yeah. You know, if you are going to walk, you know, you want to make sure it's more than a stroll. I think, you know, you want a good brisk. You know movement there you can even do some a lot of people do some resistant bands as they're walking stuff like that is all fine but at the end of the day you know get get out there I think that that's wonderful I'm I'm an interval trainer type person mm. I like to do circuit training as well I'm a you know even when I was in high school and I was an athlete I used to play baseball and football. Um, I was always the sprinter. I was I was the one who could give up my all for 40, 50 yards and then that was it. I was gassing. It didn't matter how, how good or shape I So I'm not the. I'm not gonna just I'm not gonna jog John for five miles. I went, I'm just I just that's not my body. Yeah. So I like the intensity workout, the interval workout where I can mix things up. Uh, point you know, I, I think the big point though is you know at least 20 minutes a day or 20 minutes, more days of the week than not. Or if you do 30 minutes you can do it for three days a week and and you know you can use resistance bands you can use some uh, weights you can then do jump jumper i mean there's all kinds of different ways to build these circuits and this interval training but for me i like the short bursts and it it keeps me from getting bored got it. so that's what well, i do got it. <laughs> yeah so yeah oh and i walk my dog and i walk my dog every day i got a big golden retriever he loves to get out there and play with his friends. I walk him every day. So that's something else I do on top of that kind of other exercise. But again, take home message for all of us move. Uh, your totally, body was meant to move. Move. <laughs>
1: totally agree. So just to review, I just want to make sure that you're in agreement with this. Either 150 minutes, which would be your 30 minutes five days a week, right? Yeah. Of brisk yeah. walking, or 75 minutes of the tougher right? Running or cycling or swimming, or as you mentioned, the interval training a couple times a week.
2: Yeah. And so all of that is great. Yeah. And those numbers are confirmed in a lot of the research we do in our protocols that we have on longevity. Yes. Great. And then the second part of it, of course, is strength training.
1: And I, I know, you know, these numbers, but maybe our listeners don't. And that is after each 40 we lose 1% of muscle mass per year after age 71 and a half. So if you don't do mm-hmm. regular strength training after age 40, by the time you're 80, you've essentially lost 50% of your muscle mass. And if you've ever gone to an assisted living facility, you'll see, well, of course it's mainly women because they outlive us men by four years.
0: <laughs> and most of the men
1: <laughs> look like a bag, they look like a bag of bones.
0: Cause yeah. they've, they, yeah. they've
1: lost half their muscle. And then if they trip or fall, you know, they, they become frail, break a bone, and then that's pretty much it. Yeah,
2: your numbers are right.
1: So you really have to, you really have to keep up that strength training too. I'm glad
2: we're talking about it. It's actually one of the number one things I think we can do to live longer, healthier, strong, vibrant lives is keep your muscle mass to, to, to a high amount. So those numbers you quoted were correct, but you have to understand though that's in the average healthy person. Yeah. If you add in somebody with diabetes, obesity, you know, you, you start adding in these other chronic diseases, age-related diseases, and the loss of muscle could be much at a f- much faster rate for some people. Uh, so what you don't want, there's so we could talk forever on these things. So I want to break it down. I'm a clinician, you know. I like what am I going to do with this kind of information? And here's what you're going to do with this: don't lose your muscle mass. You do not want something called sarcopenia. Right. Sarcopenia is when those older guys look like like they're just skeletons behind their clothes.
0: The Asher Longevity Institute developed a nine-step program to guide you to a much longer and healthier life. Our mission is to make this system easy to understand, simple to execute, and sustainable for the rest of your life. Go to asherlongevity.com today. And sign up for the information and access you need to live the longevity lifestyle. That's AsherLongevity.com to help you feel better now and achieve the longevity you desire.
2: That is, you do not want that. Muscle mass itself has longevity benefits. The more muscle, the better you manage inflammation, the better you manage intrinsic antioxidant pathways the better you manage aging pathways within this of uh, the muscle cells so, i mean you get the benefit goes on and on and on and so maintaining muscle mass is key so i, I think it's important for all you know once you hit your 40s definitely by the time you're hitting your 50s john i think everybody needs to be supplementing with some protein because everybody gets protein from different sources and that's fine but I'm a big fan, in your 50s, branched chain amino acids. I think these, those are at least the, the best place to start. These are the amino acids that get into your system quick. They don't get affected by the liver and all this kind of stuff. They don't get metabolized. They get right into your muscles, right into your uh, muscle cells, and they build structure. And so branched chain amino acids, and we could talk about pre-workout, post-work, you know, all that. Fine, I like to do my BCAs before I work out about 30 minutes. That just works for me. It doesn't mean you can't do it afterwards. You could do it could take a, a BCA supplement at dinner if you want. doesn't at the end of the day it just takes some. Right? I would suggest that when you do BCAs, try to do them on an empty stomach. You just get more absorption. Right. But BCAs are very important. One in particular is HMB. It's the metabolite of leucine, which is one of the branched chain amino acids. HMB, one of my favorite studies of all time clearly showing sarcopenia prevention. They took these guys and they had them bed rest for two weeks. Now, could you imagine volunteering to bed rest for two weeks? And they must have paid these guys good, right? They right. had to do something <laughs> <good>. <laughs> If you bed rest for two weeks, there is a measurable amount, and it's pretty standard from person to person, of muscle loss. It's a model of sarcopenia. So they had these guys bed rest for two weeks. Half of them were given HMB this metabolite of VCA leucine, the other half were not giving anything. From there, they had the same diet, same calorie intake, just, but just bed rest. And the group that took the HMB had no discernible muscle mass loss. The group that didn't lost about 15%. Yeah. That's of, huge.
1: Yeah, it's huge. it's huge. It's one of the supplements I take for sure. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. No, and so, you know, we, we, at the beginning of the show, we were talking about vitamin D, hospital, you know, patients in the hospital should be taking it. They should also be given some HMB. If you're laying in bed in the hospital, that's, you know, we want to get you. The the number one goal, if you're in a hospital sick, obviously you want to get better, but you do not want to stay in that hospital. You're going to get another disease. You're going to get some sort of infection. So vitamin D, H and B to all hospitalized patients, that should be a standard.
1: Totally agree. Now, let me tell you one, uh, ask you one question about um, strength training. The gold standard today is either... Do, um, do strength training twice a week, whether it's resistance bands or big machines or, you know, uh, or um, free weights twice a week, or if you take your fast twitch muscle fibers, the longest ones, to failure, you can only do it once a week, and the reason is it takes seven days for those fast twitch fibers to be rebuilt. And so for 13 years, I've been doing that once a week um, methodology at a gym every Saturday morning for 20 minutes. And what I I love about that technique is the time management aspect.
2: Yeah, most people can do that, right?
1: (laughs) Most people can do it. Exactly. There's not
2: much of an excuse of, you know, I don't have time if you're just doing it on a Saturday morning. right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, you're right, too, because the recovery time for muscle is important to also calculate how often you should be doing strength training. Right. Um, not only that, too, is also tr- um, there is some decent research showing that you should alternate different types of weight training because your muscles have memory. Yep. And when you do the same thing over and over again, you maybe you quite don't get that same. So if you switch it up just a little bit, the muscles have to rest- almost like start over again because they want to get that memory. Every time you change, they're trying to get memory. And every time you change and they try to get memory, that's more strength training, more strength building.
1: Yeah, and, and we have, I'm sure you know this, but we have six major muscle groups. And you can exercise each one of those six every Saturday morning for me. In different mm-hmm. ways, with different machines, yeah. as you suggest, you want to mix it
2: up. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah, yeah, and that also keeps it, it just keeps it from being boring too, right? So you you don't yeah. have to do it too often, and you're changing things up, trying new things. It just keeps it fresh.
1: Yep. To give you an example, there is a good friend of mine who now has a nationwide set of workout facilities called the Perfect Workout, and mm-hmm. it uses that that methodology. And it's now nationwide.
2: Yeah, I think people like it. It's It keeps things fresh, as I said. And it works. At the end of the day, people want results.
1: So it was great to have you on the show, Mike. And look forward to talking in future events if you would like to. Um, yeah, know, I'm sure you know how calorie restriction and fasting actually work together or can work together. Of course. And so yes. we, we pretty much teach what the gold standard is for both of them. So I'd love to have you on the show to talk about those because I know you have some great input as well.
2: Yeah, I would love to. I, you know, I don't follow strict calorie restriction, but I do most days of the week than not. I have a, I have a upper limit of calorie intake that's about 30% normal, um, and it works well for me, and I think it's, it has helped my metabolism. Sure, I'd love to come on, and we can talk about different ways to execute calorie restriction.
1: Yeah, and the um, and fasting, of course, is important as well.
2: Mixing in some fasting for sure. You know, people have been doing that for thousands of years for various reasons, but it works. <laughs> right? Well, yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> well, as you know, for three point four million years since humans have been really around, they only had one meal a day typically, right?
0: Yeah.
1: And so they were they were mainly in famine, as opposed. to... Yeah. Right. As opposed to um, having plenty of food to eat.
2: Yeah. So, yeah. You know, that's that idea of, um, you know, a little bit of stress is actually good. You know, and, and living in a state where you're a little bit hungry a lot is actually good. Exactly. It's OK to be a little hungry, you know, but most Americans are walking around what? Stuffed. Yeah, It's the complete opposite. Right.
1: They're pretty much eating <laughs> continuously when they're awake.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it's not good food. All like, so yeah, I think calorie restriction is a great topic. Uh, you know, for me, especially when it comes to helping some people lose weight, I like simply just setting up what their daily intake should be, where they're at, and kind of just set up a, a goal of thirty percent less. I just I like that number. And what's nice about it is I let you can eat whatever you want. You just have this upper limit, and once they start doing it and they get some success, then I start working in the healthier food. You start talking about. Better foods, better, getting the best bang for your food buck, right. you know, but initially just getting them to drop the calories, they feel better almost within a few days. I totally agree. I have seen people, John, five days of calorie restriction at 30%, GERD, heartburn, gone. Yep. That's just one of the biggest like symptoms I see just goes away really quick. So, so yeah, as you can see, I would love to come on and talk about calorie restriction. <laughs> exactly.
1: All right, Dr. Mike, great to have you on the show. Look forward to uh, future shows we can talk about. um, You and I could probably talk about 20 subjects, but I would love to to take fasting and calorie restriction
0: next. Okay. Sounds good, John.
1: All right. Thanks so much.
0: The Asher Longevity Institute developed a nine-step program to guide you to a much longer and much healthier life. Our mission is to make this system easy to understand, simple to execute and sustainable for the rest of your life. Go to asherlongevity.com today and sign up for the information and access you need to live the longevity lifestyle. That's asherlongevity.com to help you feel better now and achieve the longevity you desire.